Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Thank you for joining us today for our podcast for the sake of the child. My name is Tara Gleason, MSEC podcast producer, parent-to-parent educator, active duty Army staff, and parent of three military kids. Today we're going to hear from Maureen Dowling, Director of Military Affairs Team at the U.S. Department of Education. Facilitating the discussion is Dr. David Slatek, who is previously the Superintendent of Lackland School District and is now the MSEC ex officio member of the Interstate Compact Commission. Thank you both for your willingness to share with our military-connected parents on our podcast today. Well, thank you, Tara, and it is great to be here. We've got the rock star from the U.S. Department of Education, the Director of the Military Affairs Team, Maureen Dowling, and uh, I don't know about you, but I'm really excited to learn more about how the Department of Education, through the Military Affairs Team, interfaces with all our military families all over the United States and literally all over the world. So, Maureen, let me ask you a few questions. Okay. What is the mission and the work of the Department of Education's military affairs team? And can you tell us a little bit about the team? Absolutely. And first, just let me say how delighted I am to be participating in this podcast today with MSEC and with you, Dr. Spotek. So the military affairs team at the U.S. Department of Education, we like to refer to ourselves as the one-stop shop resource on all military-connected issues from early learning through post-secondary education. Now, internally, the team advocates on behalf of military families, military-connected students, service members, and veterans. And we advise senior leadership on matters that affect this community, particularly as related to federal education programs, initiatives, and policy. Externally, we communicate with national and state organizations, with other federal agencies, on behalf of the military community. Now, just important to note, though, in general, Many of the unique education challenges that our military-connected children, elementary through secondary education, um, encounter are generally under state and local control. But there are federal education programs that uh, those students can access, and so that's where we come into play. Uh, by way of background about the team, so we have, we're a small team, just three members, but I like to say we're, we're, we're mighty. Brian Thompson leads the military affairs team. He joined the department in 2014. He's an Army veteran and an alumnus of Teach for America. So as both a veteran and a teacher, he brings a keen insight into issues related to the military-connected community. Gary Jones joined the department in 2011 and is an Air Force veteran and provides lots of great support for the team. I've been here at the department since 2000, and I'm a former elementary school teacher and principal. And while I am not a veteran, 
My father served proudly in the U.S. Navy for 25 years, and I was also inspired as a youth when I met a prisoner of war. My mother operated a daycare program in our home in San Diego, California in the late 60s, early 70s, and she took care of a child whose father was a prisoner of war in Vietnam. I recall how my sisters and brothers wore the POW bracelet in his honor. And then when he was eventually released, he later visited our family. That was such an incredible day for all of us. And I remember thinking how terribly hard his life must have been during that time and the sacrifices he and his family made for our country. Suffice it to say that Brian, Gary, and I are so honored to work on behalf of military families, military connected students, service members, and veterans, and we greatly appreciate their service to our country and the many sacrifices they make. Maureen, that was a great story. I'm, uh, and, and don't count yourself short. If uh, you were a mil- served in a military family, if your dad was on active duty for 25 years, believe me, we know that you served too. Fascinating stuff. Tell me, how does the military affairs team interact with and engage stakeholders, such as the Military Child Education Coalition and the many other groups that are out there who are concerned about uh, military kids, uh, whether they're in uh, youngsters or whether they're in college? That's a great question. And the military affairs team, we see ourselves as the key liaison to the military community which means we very intently seek to develop good relations with the external stakeholders, such as IMSEC, Student Veterans of America, the American Legion, just just to name a few. There are dozens of them that we interact with. And we do that through communication, through meetings we facilitate here at the department, through attending uh, conferences that they host. And And the reason we do this, it's really important for us at this federal level to gain knowledge and understanding of our stakeholders' issues, their concerns. We need that so that we can then articulate their concerns, their recommendations to department leadership. Or as programs, uh, policy, initiatives are being developed, we bring to bear that knowledge and understanding of the external groups that advocate on behalf of the military-connected community. Um, In fact, each year, the military affairs team has collaborated with our colleagues at the Department of Defense Education Activity, or DODEA, as it's well known. And we collaborate to provide a training session at IMSEC's yearly training conference in Washington, D.C. And we do that in order to inform those who participate in IMSEC's training each year, what are some of the federal education programs um, and initiatives um, that they should be aware of or how they can access federal programs and, and resources? So that connection with our external stakeholders is critical to our efforts here within the department. And it's also critical, I think, to the work of those advocacy groups that they know there is a team at the department who seeks their input, who seeks to know what their issues and concerns are, because that's critical to shaping good federal programs, good federal policy, and good initiatives. 
You know, I'm really glad you you spoke about uh, Dodia because that was another question that um, I had, and I, I think it, it follows naturally then because here you've got the Department of Education, and the Department of Ed works on education issues all over the United States, and then you've got the Department of Defense that includes, as you mentioned, DODIA, the Department of Defense Education Activity. So how is it, and to what extent does the Department of Ed collaborate with the Department of Defense Education Activity on behalf of military-connected students and their families? Sure. In fact, sometimes we get the question, some people think the military affairs team here at the department operates the, the DODIA schools, and we inform them, no, we don't. In fact, as, as your uh, listeners probably know, uh, the majority of military-connected uh, elementary through secondary age students are in public schools, and then a smaller number in um, private schools, some homeschooled, and then, of course, the DODIA schools. But we have collaborated for years with DODIA on behalf of military-connected children. And, in, in fact, the Department of Defense and the Department of Education uh, we have a memorandum of understanding aimed at providing quality education for every military child. So both agencies are committed to working together to create, um, expand, and, and really improve the quality of, of education opportunities for our military-connected students to share and disseminate best practices and to seek to address the challenges of military-connected children. And thus, as issues arise here at the department, um, we will often pick up the phone and call DODIA and speak to the director and say, we're looking at this issue or we're aware of this issue. Can you provide insight? So we really appreciate the experience and actually the, the expertise that DODIA has to offer um, the department. In fact, um, and I'll talk a little bit more about resources later, but DODIA uh, supports uh, the department's uh, resource called Touching Base, which is a newsletter for military-connected families. And DODIA helps us with that monthly newsletter by providing information that they believe would be helpful to parents with, um, with, uh, with military-connected children. I and I also want to just briefly mention, I know we're focused primarily on the K-12, pre-K-12 student, but the Department of Education also has MOUs with other federal agencies, including DOD. And one in particular is the interagency coordination to implement the Transition Assistance Program, or TAP that serves about 200,000 transitioning service members each year. Um, the military affairs team plays a key role in the implementation of that MOU, making sure that those transitioning service members are aware of the post-secondary learning opportunities as they prepare for their civilian life. And so we are very engaged in the what we call the TAP MOU and do a lot of work in that what we call the post-secondary space. Uh, I think that's marvelous. I, and I really want to thank you and, and the departments for the foresight to create these memorandums of understanding. I think uh, th those of us who have done any kind of work with state governments and the federal government realize that it's, they're really large and complex organizations 
with lots of rules and procedures and the fact that um, the Department of Ed and the Department of Defense have taken the initiative to create these memorandums of understanding to cut through that and to really kind of create a pipeline so that you can get the work done and help the people that need it is um, makes such good sense to me. And I'm really pleased that uh, the folks in both departments are working hard to, to make it work for everybody in, in our very large community. Can you tell about some of the Department of Ed resources available to military-connected students and families? Absolutely. And there's more than I can share today, but I'll give the listeners some direction of where they can go on the Department of Education's website to find out about additional programs and, and resources, and specifically um, available to military-connected students and their, their families. Um, basically, we can be found very easily through Google. You can just Google the Department of Education, or our website is real easy. It's www.ed.gov for gov. And if you go to the Department of Education website and just type in family in the search engine, one of the items that will pop up is a family and community engagement web page. And here, families, both military connected and other families, will find an, a host of resources. And there are separate tabs where they can click on family and community. And there'll be a drop-down list for resources of helping your child succeed in school, helping your child with homework. What if there are issues with, with bullying at the school? Also, federal education programs. In addition, just Google on the Department of Education website, Touching Base. That's the newsletter I just referenced a little bit ago. And that Touching Base newsletter, which comes out monthly, is a great source of information for military-connected families. And that information is timely, it's relevant, and what's helpful with that newsletter, it can also direct parents to other resources that can support them as they seek to enhance and um, expand um, opportunities for their children. Also, just a few examples. Under the Elementary and Secondary Education Act, or ESEA, um, eligible students may receive supplemental reading and math instruction or instruction in other subject areas to improve their academic performance. There's also a program, the 21st Century Community Learning Centers, which supports uh, the creation of community learning centers that provide academic and other enrichment opportunities during non-school hours for children. In addition, the ESEA now includes a key provision regarding a military student <laughs> identifier. And the military student identifier aims to support military-connected children. Now there will be national data on students connected to military families that will help military leaders, educators, and elected officials understand how these children are performing in school. Also, under the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, or IDEA, States must ensure that a free, appropriate public education, or FAPE, is made available to students with specified disabilities. And FAPE includes, um, among other elements, the provision of special education and related services provided at no cost to parents in conformity with an individualized education program, or an IEP. Now, every state 
has at least one parent training and information center. And these centers connect parents of children with disabilities with resources. This includes specifically military families of children with special needs. Now, to learn more about these particular parent centers, just type Parent Center Hub. That's Parent Center Hub in your search engine, and you will be directed to a website with a wealth of information and resources. So I highly recommend that to parents. Now, I know as listeners it's hard as I'm giving out names of websites. So what I would also recommend to parents is for additional information about programs under the ESCA or IDEA to first go right to your local school and ask at the local school about federal education programs under the ESEA and IDEA that your child might be eligible to receive. Because at that local school level, the school will be able to inform the parent one about the various programs, and then whether their child is eligible to receive certain benefits under them. So the, the local public school is a good place to start. Um, and even in the case where a child might be in a, in a private school, they can go to the private school principal to ask about whether the private school participates in any of these federal education programs, and if so, whether their child might be eligible to participate. I'm glad you highlighted that, Maureen, because, uh, yeah, the, the, the child school is really the best place to start, as you pointed out. One of the things that we've noticed ever since 9-11, and when the Ops Temple really started to increase, uh, we saw a lot more families make the decision to homeschool because they wanted the flexibility, they wanted to be able to go when and where they needed to go, and that trend has continued, and all this information on the internet has been very helpful. So as these families continue, military families continue to choose homeschooling for their children, are there any federal resources that they can take advantage of? Well, they can certainly take advantage of the previous resources I mentioned, both the, uh, uh, the web page for families that I mentioned that they can access the family and community engagement web page. That's open to, to all parents. And then also the Touching Base newsletter, which would be another wonderful resource for uh, homeschool families. And then also uh, the, the other federal education programs, depending upon the state, um, the homeschool student may be eligible to participate in some of the federal education programs under the ESEA and also under IDEA. And here again, if a homeschool parent is interested in learning more about whether their child is eligible for certain federal education programs, I would recommend that they first reach out to the local public school district in which they reside. And if, that, if they're not sure about that, they can also contact their State Department of Education to inquire about not only federal education programs that they might be able to participate in, but other state programs. I will just note, though, that um, the Department of Education, 
does not regulate homeschools or provide financial support for homeschooling um, elementary and secondary students. If the regulation related to homeschools, as well as private schools, is under the jurisdiction of the state. So states have authority to regulate homeschools and private schools. And that's why when we do get phone calls regarding homeschools, we often will direct the individual back to the state where they can learn from the state what are the regulations as related to homeschools. And they do vary, and that's why it's important for parents who decide to homeschool their children to reach out to the state to find out what are the homeschooling requirements and regulations within that state, uh, because it can vary from state to state. And again, there are uh, resources and available through that family and community engagement webpage on the department's website, which would offer resources that uh, homeschool parents would also be interested in learning about. So I hope that's helpful in responding to that question. Absolutely. Thank you for clarifying that. I, I think that's a great point, that, the, that it, it's different from state to state, and this individual state, as uh, states have set up uh, whatever rules they, they feel they need uh, to regulate homeschooling or to let it operate uh, in the best interest of parents. Can you talk about um, what advice you have for military-connected parents who may have concerns about their child's education program? It happens. Sure, absolutely. And as a former school principal, I know this well. And, and that's why I would say, in general, because there can always be circumstances where you might go directly to the top, but in general, the, the starting point for expressing concern about your child's program is really first and foremost the child's teacher. Discussions between teachers and parents can provide really good insight to both the parent and the teacher. It, it can serve to enhance understanding and often a plan forward for how together the parent and the teacher are going to address the, the concern and to the extent appropriate, the child um, them, um, herself or himself. However, to the extent a, a parent does that and is not satisfied with the teacher's response, addressing concerns with the school principal is also appropriate or if there is a vice principal kind of depending upon the school structure and administration. Now, while most concerns can be resolved at that local school level, if a parent is not satisfied with the school's response, the parent can also contact the superintendent of schools for that local public school district in which the school is located, as well as the State Department of Education. So I'm referencing here uh, the public schools, and public schools are part of a generally what we call a public school district or LEA, local educational agency. Sometimes they can be part of a, of a county district, but that's the next level after the school to bring a concern. But again, I, I can't recommend enough the importance of starting that conversation with the person who's most involved with implementing that educational program for the child, the teacher, and then moving to the principal and then to the other levels. Um, and often that, that, that would be the case in the private school, starting with the private school teacher, then the principal. And in some cases, uh, some private schools 
are grouped in in a consortium of schools or perhaps in, in the case of a Catholic school system, there's a diocese, so that would be the next level um, if a parent wanted to bring the concern beyond the school. Sure, and that, that sounds like uh, a lot of organizations and the, the military is very familiar with it, is the chain of command. And it, you, you want to start at the lowest level. So thank you for illustrating that. Sure. One of the things that uh, our organization has um, really been pleased with and we're a strong supporter of is the Interstate Compact on Educational Opportunity for Military Children. Does the Department of Education have any role in this endeavor? Well, while we have no official or formal governmental role in this state-led initiative, over the years, the department has provided guidance to school districts based on best practices for supporting uh, the military community, and we've encouraged chief state school officers to support the interstate compact. And the department remains steadfast in its support of the compact and encourages states, local educational agencies, and schools to continue their efforts to meet the unique educational needs of our military-connected students and their families. And I should note that meeting the individual needs of each student has been a very prominent theme of Secretary DeVos. Uh, the better we can look at those individual needs and seek to meet them, the better the educational program that will, can be provided to that student and better outcomes. So in that case, um, the department can serve, and we have over the years, to spotlight promising practices in the field. And clearly the fact that every state has signed on to this indicates the states believe uh, the Interstate Compact on Educational Opportunity for Military Children is a good thing. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up the, the um, Secretary's role in this. Uh, so, And that, that leads me to my next question. As chair of the Federal Commission on School Safety, we understand that Secretary DeVos and her commissioners are seeking input from the public. MSEC's Student-to-Student Initiative is an evidence-based student-led program that creates a positive school environment. They're also accompanying parent-to-parent initiatives. Is the department aware of these programs? Yes, absolutely. We are very much aware of MSEC's student-to-student and parent-to-parent programs and the positive impact these programs have on students and parents. Um, you know, Secretary DeVos has noted that in her work with the with the Commission on School Safety that we, we have to acknowledge um, issues of loneliness and isolation among some students and then find ways to adequately uh, address those and, and those, those students and to reconnect them to other students. Now, I've actually had the privilege of meeting some student-to-student leaders and hearing about their efforts uh, to create at that school level uh, welcoming, trusting, um, safe, and, and supportive environments for military-connected students. And the fact that such support is not solely for military-connected students, but for any new student in a school speaks to its broad applicability. Now, the, the Federal Commission on School Safety seeks to highlight best practices and thus I encourage MSEC as well as other stakeholders to share information about 
programs such as student-to-student and parent-to-parent with the Federal Commission on School Safety. And you can do that. It's a really simple email address. It's safety at ed.gov. Thank you, Maureen. And I'm glad you highlighted that uh, the student-to-student program, while we certainly are focusing on military kids, really is about all kids because military kids are part of that general community and it's about all students making them feel welcome, making that school safe. Let me ask you, what message does Secretary DeVos have for military-connected students and their families? Good, good question. I mean, thank you for, for asking that. Uh, your listeners might be interested to learn that Secretary DeVos comes from a military family. Her father was in the Air Force, and her brother was in the Navy. So she has a deep appreciation for the challenges military-connected students and their families face as they move around to accommodate the military life, and a deep appreciation for their service and the sacrifices they make. One of Secretary DeVos's message, and it's not solely for military-connected families, it's really for all of us involved in education at every level, and it's to Rethink school. Now, rethink means questioning everything to ensure that nothing limits our nation's students from pursuing their passions and and really achieving their full potential. She has challenged all of us who care deeply about our nation's children to rethink school and question everything to ensure that we remove the limits. So, for example, some of the questions she and her leadership team um, has posed include, why assign students to schools based on their addresses? Why group students by age? Why force all students to learn at the same speed? Why measure education by hours and days? Why suggest that a college degree is the only path to success? Such questions, and there's others, can and actually do lead to education programs and services that can better meet the needs of individual students. So, Those would be some of the questions and messaging as we think about our military-connected students. In addition, what I'd like the listeners to know that in March, this past March, the secretary published her final, um, what we call, secretary's priorities. And these are priorities that can be used in competitive grant programs. So as we have a grant that organizations, associations, states, local educational agencies can apply for, and these are competitive grants. So these are grants that don't go out by formula. You have to compete for them. And the secretary has the authority to um, include what we call priorities that the grantee in their application can speak to. And she has crafted 11 priorities And it's priority 11 that I'd like to share with you. I think that speaks to the Secretary's commitment to military families. And this is the priority. 
Priority number 11, ensuring that service members, veterans, and their families have access to high-quality educational options. End priority. So this priority, um, people who would speak to that priority, would include in their projects aspects that are designed to address the academic needs of military or veteran-connected students. Now, organizations as well as states and LAs that are interested in applying for competitive grants can find out more about grants via the department website. So when you go to the Department of Education website, you can click on funding. And then from there, there's a host of uh, drop-down tabs that you can click on to. You can even click on to um, forecast funding, like what's going to be ahead as, as far as the departments and its discretionary grants. Um, because we appreciate that many external organizations also seek federal funding for their various um, initiatives. Um, but I wanted to note that, that that is one of the Secretary's priorities. And again, her appreciation and respect for the military service members, veterans, National Guard Reserve, and military families, spouses, and children who serve our country so well. Just deep appreciation for what they do for our nation. Thanks, Maureen. This is really exciting stuff. I'm, uh, I'm fascinated by all the possibilities, and I sure hope that Priority 11 stimulates some really interesting grant proposals in the future. I've got one more question for you, and it really ties back to uh, when you were telling me a little bit about, uh, about yourself, and that is, what have you enjoyed most about your advocacy on behalf of military-connected students and their families? That's a great question. And I'm smiling as I'm saying that because, and, and maybe because I started out as a teacher and then a principal, my heart always goes back to the students. So really meeting with and listening to military-connected students has been an extraordinary rewarding experience for me. And I am always deeply inspired by their really can-do spirit and tenacity, notwithstanding how many moves and schools they have attended. And some of these students I've been able to meet while I have uh, presented at the IMSEC conference. Um, some of them have been the student-to-student -student leaders. And I'm reminded that these young people also serve our country in the way they support their parents or parent who's a service member, in the way they seek to support their fellow classmates uh, in schools and provide that welcoming environment. Uh, the, the service and leadership skills I've seen evidence in our military-connected students speak so well for our nation, for our nation's future, and it's been for me an honor to engage with them and so um, thank you for allowing me to close on, on that comment of how proud I am of, of these students. Well, thank you very much, Maureen. I, I have to say, one of the things I do beyond my work is uh, volunteer with um, a Lions organization. And uh, our motto is we serve, and we're always looking for people who we say have a heart for service. And it's really clear to me that you have that heart for service. So thank you again for spending some time helping us understand more fully what the Department of Education does with uh, 
in, in support of military kids and through your military affairs team. And we hope that all the listeners really have gotten a lot out of this conference uh, and that, uh, that you'll look at the Department of Ed website because there's a wealth of information there as well, too. So thanks again on behalf of MSEC. Oh, thank you. Happy to participate in today's podcast, and thank you for extending the invitation. I want to thank you both for coming on our podcast for the sake of the child. After a comprehensive plan for reorganizing the executive branch, Brian Thompson now leads the work of the military affairs team at the U.S. Department of Education. So Maureen mentioned a little bit in the interview about Brian, but he is an Army veteran and alumnus of Teach for America. Brian is going to be joined by Karen Stratman, the department's director of national engagement. He'll be working with Brian as the military affairs team's transitions to the Office of Communication and Outreach as part of the department's larger, larger reorganization. The move of the military affairs team will also include Gary Jones in an effort to bring to bear the resources and offerings of that office to better highlight and lift up this critical work. And as always, continue to serve our military-connected students, service members, veterans, and their families as well. I did want to let you know about that change at the Department of Education. I want to thank all our listeners for joining us today. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, your questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Join us again next week as Katya talks with Dr. McMullen about transitioning in and out of DoDEA school systems. Have a great week. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.